Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you as we continue in our series, The Preponderance of Evidence. When you swear, when you hear God's name taken in vain, what do you think? Many are so used to swearing they don't even really hear anything. And this brings up the question, how real is God to you? When Jesus showed himself after his resurrection, everything changed. In today's message, we hear how people were questioning Jesus before his death and how they responded after he appeared back from the grave. Listen today as Jesus comes to challenge and confront our basic nature, our weaknesses, and our own way. When we accept Christ, there's a change in our lives. There's a strength and courage, even a new compassion, a new life because of Jesus. Even this morning, I read an article that compared the world's reaction to the name of God, specifically Jesus, how society, including the media and the movie and TV series industry, has no problem insulting Jesus laughing at, mocking him, calling religion a crutch. However, they have no problem being fearful and respecting Muhammad or Allah because they fear for their lives, for the radical perspective and views of the world in attacking anyone that would bring insult to Allah or Muhammad, as they call him, his prophet. So the world treats that with respect, a lie, that truly being a myth in a way, but they call Jesus and the God Almighty a myth. Even the way we speak and the way we talk, we take God's name in vain without thinking twice about it. And you wonder, what does God think of all this? You look at the disciples, even their enemies, when they saw that their lives were truly changed, They could sit back and say, there's something going on here. They call this the way. And that's why Saul was vehemently attacking anyone that believed in the way because they would not budge. They were not called to take lives, but they were called to give their life. So the question is, why do you believe in the Bible? Has your life changed in any way because you say you believe in God? Is this what they call religion, a true relationship that you maintain and hold with the living God? And how can you tell people through your your life that God is real? Do they know that? We've watched that this preponderance of evidence that we believe 
not by closing our eyes, we believe for what God has shown us, the veracity of His testimony as He has shown Himself to the disciples and many others. Scripture clearly shows, and we've seen this last week, the preponderance of evidence, the veracity of the testimony. He appeared to one, He appeared to another, He appeared to two at the same time, He appeared to twelve at the same time, He appeared to five hundred. This was no um, hypnotic effect of their lives. They were not dreaming these. Together they saw Him. They touched Him. They ate with Him. We see that not only the veracity of their testimony, the reality of it, we see their character. The people that he, He showed Himself to were not people that were just common mind forgotten adherence to Jesus some said he was a fool some said he lost his mind his family didn't believe him the one of them denied him there were people that were set that have lost their faith completely and when Jesus showed himself to them everything changed as we look through scripture at chapter 28 our question should be Have we changed? Or do we believe because others told us to? Or we follow the crowd? And so this morning we come to the strength of their witness. From their character. From the multiplicity of their witnesses. Now the strength. Does their their testimony and witness stand up? Would it stand up in in a court of law? Can we believe them? Because then people would say, why should I believe you? We hardly believe each other these days. We're flooded with so much information. And so many products. Even in the area of health. Now you know I've been, I've been barking around about these vitamins I've been taking that have been helping my hip. Everyone I hear uh, that have an, has an issue with their, uh, their hips or anything in their body say, try this. And most of the reactions I get, just like with the gospel, that's okay, that works for you, you keep on taking that, don't worry about me. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? My life has changed. I'm walking without an issue. This really works. I'm not trying to sell this, but I'm giving you an example. You go to people talk about Jesus having changed your life, having brought peace, purpose, direction, a future. That, that's good for you. I'm glad you just have faith. I'm glad you're taking something. And most of you would rather sit in your pain and and your struggle and live a life of being a victim. And you say, oh, someday. That's the way people react when they hear the gospel. But first, what they want to do is to look at your life to see, has your life been affected? What proof do I have? That when you pray, God listens. And how will I know that God listens to me? So here we go. And the question that I want to throw at you as we start, as as we try to weigh and, and test the strength of their witnesses, of these witnesses, the question is this. What's easier? Ready? Is it easier to lose 30 pounds or change your character or your habitual sin? 
What's easier, to lose 30 pounds or change the way you think of other people or change the way you react to circumstances or change that heaviness of your character? What's easier? Because if we say weight, well, how many of you have been wanting and planning to lose weight and it hasn't happened? God bless my father. I would not name him if I would not be in the same shoes. How many of you still have clothes in your closet that one day you'll wear once you get back down to that weight? I got some pair of pants. My wife keeps telling me, throw those away. No, one day my hope, my strive is that I will wear those pants again at the size 34. But what we do is we get those stretchy pants. They're 34, but they give me two more inches. Oh, God is patient with my anger. God is patient with my lust. God is patient with my fault, faulty character, and I, I'm not changing just yet. What's easier? For if we can't be disciplined with our bodies, are we changing? And if we're not changing to be like Christ, then why? How many times have you heard children, adult children saying, I'm not stepping into another church. Why? Because I've watched you. And Christians are hypocrites. How would you know I was going to say that? Because that's the claim. But something happens in the life of those that meet Jesus. So it's not a matter of pointing fingers And saying, oh, by the way, you're talking, you haven't met Jesus yet. No, it's talking to myself every day, every hour. Have I truly met Jesus? And and look, I'm thinking different. I'm acting different. It's not me. God, you're doing something. It's a reminder. It's a challenge. And it's that kind of embrace that says, please, don't die. And your soul will be lost for eternity because you've never met Jesus. No matter how many times you've been at church. So, as we look at these disciples, why we still believe that Jesus existed, lived 2,000 plus years later, it's because their lives changed. First of all, we look at the fact that it demonstrated by the nature of their testimony. We believe everything changed because they demonstrated it. By the nature of the way they lived their lives and who they were and what happened in them. And then we ask the question as we look at this, has this happened in me? How shall I then live if I call upon Jesus? Not just to heal me, not just to hire me, not just to protect me, not just to get me out of a ticket. Do I need Jesus for the here and now or do I trust Him for eternity? And if I do, I surrender to Him. No longer my will but His, even when I don't understand it, when I don't want it, when I think it's going to hurt me, I surrender because I can't see the future. He can How will people believe in good news anymore if they don't see it in our lives? 1 John chapter 9, the man that was blind from birth, he was born blind. People wouldn't believe him either. There he is begging. 
And Jesus comes and he touches his eyes and tells him to go wash his eyes of the spit and the mud and the dirt. He's obedient while he's blind. He is walking blind with spit on his face. Because Jesus told him he hadn't been healed yet, but he had nothing else. That is the intersection of your life. You will meet Jesus when you have surrendered, when you've been broken, and you've got nothing else. So there he is, and he's healed. Well, 1 John 9, 8 through 10, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? We can't believe our eyes, pun intended. This guy used to beg every single day. What's going on? He's walking. He's talking. Some said, it is he. Others said, no, 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 no. It's someone like him. But he kept saying, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I once was blind, but now I see. So they said to him, well, how are your eyes open? They wouldn't believe him. They wouldn't believe Jesus because a heart that is hardened against God will never want to see. That is what God does to change everything. First of all, their testimony of all these people that saw Jesus, it was based on empirical evidence. Well, you ask what's empirical. We've heard this in school, in college. It is that information that's acquired by observation and experience. Not just being taught or told, but they went out and they tested it. Researchers use empirical evidence to be able to make decisions by science. Something they didn't do when they asked for the mass. These disciples... They were not pushovers. They believed because they saw and they touched. And they were changed. And that's the step that many people calling themselves Christians don't take. They're afraid to ask God to take over their lives. They're afraid to surrender. They're afraid to let go. Evidence derived from experiment, observation for 40 days... They saw Jesus amongst them, walking with them and eating with them. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering with many proofs. You ask yourself, what are these many proofs that God gave them? Knowing their heart, knowing the future, knowing our questions. He gave all these proofs that were legally ascertained and established. That later we can come back and test them. By many proofs, how? Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. They ate and drank with Jesus. Acts 10.41 Not to all the people, says Peter, not to all the people that appeared, but to us who had been chosen by God as a witness, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We've seen it. Not a spirit, not a story. They saw him they heard him and they touched him john comes around and he presents this in his his epistle first john actually john chapter 20 verse 26 eight days later his disciples were inside again hiding and thomas was with them though the doors were locked jesus came and stood among them and he said peace be with you and they saw him 
And, and, and Jesus said, Thomas, come, put your hand right here and touch my hands. And for Thomas, having seen Jesus, it was enough. He said, my Lord and my God. First John chapter 1, 1, as I mentioned earlier, that which was from the beginning, which actually ties into John's gospel, right? In the beginning, right? Was the word and the word was with God. Here's John writing in the epistle, that which was from the beginning, meaning Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. The word looked upon here means followed, questioned, observed. Did not just speak and glance. We focused on him. We touched with our hands concerning the word of life, meaning Jesus. There was no way that they could have been deceived or diluted or deluded. If they were individual dreams or individual visions, individual hallucinations, maybe. But there are no group hallucinations, seeing the same thing, touching the same thing, being with the same person. They all testify that Jesus appeared to them in groups as well as individuals. It's demonstrated by the nature of their testimony, observing, seeking, Empirical evidence. Second, it's demonstrated, and this is where we want to rest upon this morning, by their transformation. Something changed radically and drastically. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 is something Peter comes back to and, and he connects what they've seen in Jesus and the hope that he places in the heart of the one that is truly saved, saying, listen, you've got this hope. Here's what changes from now on. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I've not seen Jesus, but I love him. Because I know and feel His presence in my heart and see Him changing my life. I see Him giving the kind of peace the world cannot and the joy that has no subject or object or circumstance. The joy of His presence is real. He's a person. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is what we want to be certain of and preach of and present to people the salvation of the souls. Not the salvation of your body or your job or your friends. The salvation of your soul. Nothing matters more than that. What would you be willing to do to make sure your soul was saved? And if that is so, John comes around and says, listen... 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children right now. That's what matters. You're no longer orphans. You have not been left behind. You are a people of special people of God, a peculiar people. You belong to God now. He is in, 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 in a duet with Peter. Now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that who, when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone says, yes, we want to be like Jesus. Let me get back to the way you look. This thought just hit me this morning. We all have the hope that when we see Jesus, there's a reset in your life. We know that we die, but in heaven, we will be like Jesus. Now, what if, keep this thought in your mind as we're talking about your inner person, 
that person that is either nice to people or not so nice to people. What if when you passed away and you would be in paradise, you will look the same way you look now for eternity? For you. I don't know if everyone here would want to have the same kind of body. How old would you be in heaven? Will you be as old as the day you die? Because <laughs> what if you're going to be 85, 90 for the rest of eternity, barely moving around paradise, and look the way you look now? That's not the truth. Our hope is that we'll be like Jesus, brown-haired and blue-eyed and gorgeous, right, from what the paintings look like in our minds because of the media. But that's not true. But what if you die, the way you die now, you'd be the same cantankerous, unthankful, moody person for the rest of eternity. Who'd want to be with you for the rest of eternity? But somehow we lean back and say, I can be anywhere I want to be right now because when Jesus comes, I get a brand new slate. So therefore, take me as I am, suck it up. (laughs) Somehow we have laid back. And we've placed aside the importance of what it means to be changed and transformed by Jesus. If I am truly saved, I must be completely different than I was five years ago. And I must be somewhat different than I was a year ago. Because we don't like anyone that says, listen, this is who I am, take it or leave it. No one likes that. But that's not what God does. He changed their lives. It has been changing yours and want to change yours. Look at their transformation. Prior to the resurrection, all the disciples ran away. They fled without hope, filled with fear. They ran when he was arrested. Mark 14, 50. Let's not just look at Peter and Judas and all the other guys. Mark says, and they all left him and fled. Before the resurrection, they ran away. All, no matter what they said at the table. Oh, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. Who is it? Me? No, no way. No, they all left and fled. Peter cowardly denied him three times. The women mourned at his crucifixion with no hope. They cried as if there was no tomorrow. Because for them, there was no tomorrow. Kind of the way you cry sometime when you get that news, right? I got a news like this this past week. And the Lord said, "Uh uh-huh. What point in that message you got to hear again? Do you really trust me? I said, yes, Lord. No matter what you're doing right now, no matter how it's going, no matter what will be lost or what the suffering, I know that you're doing something amazing in this person's heart life, not for the future, but for eternity. God works on the plan of eternity. Everything he does today. Luke 24, 17, even after his death, the disciples were all sad. No joy, no future, no desire. Heads bowed. Luke 24, 17, and he said to them, What's this conversation? They're walking away from, uh, from Jerusalem, Cleopas and his friend. 
They waited three days, so because they remembered Jesus saying something about three days. Okay, fine, we'll give it a shot. They waited three days. Ah, it's not going to happen. They walked away, kind of like the way we do when we pray and we don't see God's answer right away. Oh, maybe God's not listening. So they're walking away, and Jesus comes and says, listen, what are you guys talking about? That you're holding with each other as you walk. And they stood still, looking sad. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him feed people that were hungry. He's seen, they've seen him heal people, give them sight. But now they're walking away sad. Jesus presented many proofs after his resurrection, and these added to the testimony as evidence. Yes, Jesus rose again from the dead. He who first loved us when we weren't deserving of any of his love, we have received from him a new life, a new sight, a new way of loving and living. When we confess Jesus as Lord and agree our way doesn't work, then he shows his way. As we admit our sins, he forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Indeed, he creates a new spirit within us. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.